Holy God, we thank You for this time, for Your Word, and for Your calling upon our lives. Lord, this morning put me behind the cross that Your words and Your thoughts be mine. Lord, if I misspeak today, forgive me. Let Your message be heard in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you want to go ahead and turn with me to Acts, we're going to be in Acts 5, verses 27 through 32. Acts 5, 27 through 32. So we're going to get into this, this text in a minute. And, and what, we're, what we're going to be talking about is even after their first taste of persecution, the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ continued to spread rapidly throughout Jerusalem as believers shared the gospel with the lost and the lonely. The church was already making a difference, right? It was already changing the lives of thousands, and Satan was not going to have this. Satan needed it stopped. Satan wanted to see the church divided and disgraced and destroyed. Acts chapter 5 offers us inside into the priorities and the principles of the early church, the things that guided them along. And because of what they believed and how they believed, they became a world-changing force for Jesus Christ. We know this. It's all in Scripture, how the world changed, and we know today how things are. And like them, you and I are made, we are created to make a difference. And when we walk and we follow in their footsteps, believing and behaving like the early church, we have the potential to make a real difference in the world. Our sermon text is Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. And it says, When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, I like movies. I'm a movie guy, movie and television guy, and I like to watch, I've been watching a SEAL team, you know, uh, some, some battle shows, and and. We use the word front lines, right? We talk about front lines. In the show, they talk about the front lines of battle. And, and what that means is that's we're usually speaking of the forwardmost forces in a battle, right? The people who are going to see the action first, like the, the, the other side's coming over the hill, and they're the front line. They're, they're what is keeping them from us. That's where the attacks come. That's, that's the first to experience the opposition, they're the first to suffer the casualties. Friends, there's a, there's a spiritual battle that's going on around us every day. We may not see it directly, but we do see the evidence of it all around. 
in our neighborhoods and in our, our city and in our, maybe even in our homes. The casualties of this battle are shattered lives and broken homes and despair and suffering. We're being attacked. And sometimes that looks like being ostracized or outcast or beaten or imprisoned or even killed for having faith. Did you know that Christians are one of the largest identifiable group of people who are being denied what, what's considered to be basic human rights simply because of what they believe? And yet, God's Word continues to grow in the world. The persecution against the disciples didn't come from theological differences. It wasn't because they couldn't agree on things. But it was out of jealousy and influence and fear. Fear of the gospel message. Fear of something that they didn't understand. Peter and the apostles were given a specific commission. They had been set free from the hand of those who opposed the message they proclaimed. And they were sent to the front lines to tell the people about this new life that they had in Jesus. They were set free in order to proclaim words of life. You know, we, we also have that freedom and obligation. It's a twofold thing. It's freedom and obligation to share the same message, to share the gospel, to share the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And this is where you're going to find yourself on the front lines today. In this passage, we're, we're, we're finding a simple message. We're supposed to go out and share the message of Jesus. And that message is basically, do good, right? Because Jesus' message is good. Share the message. Share the, the idea of life eternal. That's all good. So go out and do good, right? The early church exploded with generosity. Wealthy Christians were selling their, their extra fields and their extra houses and giving the money to the apostles to share with the less fortunate believers. But doing good for the wrong reasons isn't good, is it? Jesus had a word for such behavior. Get ready for this one. Slow down. Hypocrisy. That's what Jesus called it. Doing something for the wrong reason. The Greek word for hypocrite originally referred to a stage actor, someone who wore a mask and pretended to be someone that they were not. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So it's good, deed, it's good to do good deeds but God's the one who has to get the credit. If you're doing good deeds so that people will see you and that people will appreciate you and that people will notice you, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Hypocrisy turns people away from God and from the church. And Jesus wants us to do good authentically. Do it because it's good. Do it because it's right. Scripture tells us the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And as a result, the people brought the sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. The early church was doing so much and doing so much good, healing and helping, that, that, that the people started showing up in the droves from far and wide and seeking their help. 
They did good abundantly too. They did a lot of it. And people noticed, and that's what Jesus intended. Be authentic, be abundant, but do good. Are, are we as a church doing good abundantly and authentically? Here's a question for us. If we shut our doors today, if we closed the doors and, and, and ceased to meet at First Methodist Decatur, would anybody notice? Would you notice? Are we offering something that's so biblical and good that it makes a difference in the lives of the community? If we want to make a difference, we have to do that good and do it abundantly. Isaiah 1 tells, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. And then later he says, it's like, I think maybe Isaiah 58, he says, share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Doesn't that sound a lot like what Jesus told us to do in, in Matthew 25? It's very clear, isn't it? We're supposed to be taking care of each other. We're supposed to be doing good for good's sake. As soon as the high priest and the Sadducees all began to see the impact that the apostles were having on the community and the world around them, they got jealous and they got scared. And the apostles were arrested, right? And they were thrown in prison. That'll shut them down, right? No more. But, but it was late one night, right? They were praising and singing to God. And the angel of the Lord released them and set them free. Maybe you've heard it said that no good deed goes unpunished. You know, we read about the adventures of the early church. All the things that they did and the traveling and the people that they healed and saved. and Maybe we think what we do is boring. We don't, we don't have that tangible, on-hand Jesus touch. But there are spiritual adventures all around us every day. Opportunities to be bold, to step out of our comfort zones. Maybe take some risks. God, God might be calling you to go to a tornado or, or hurricane-ravaged area helping disaster relief. God maybe wants you to go to Honduras and offer medical help and set up churches. In, in, the, in Van Alstine, we had a, a woman and her husband that went to Honduras every year, maybe a couple times a year, and they finally decided, you know, we could do more good if we just lived there. And so they went and lived for years over there. Maybe God wants you to volunteer at a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter or our monthly food pantry right here in the parking lot. Maybe God is calling you to, to volunteer for VBS to take care of the kids or mentor at the school or be a liturgist at church. The same God who called Peter to climb out of the boat and called the early church to bold new adventures is calling you to step out of your comfort zone and do something good. 
and that God who calls us empowers us. Here's what we learn from Acts 5. Do good authentically. Don't pretend to be something that you're not, right? God hates hypocrisy. Do good abundantly. Let your light shine so bright that people see your good works and they glorify God because of it. Step out on faith, take a chance and make a difference. The early church knew that they were put on this planet for a reason and so are you to make a difference. God is calling you to the front lines of this spiritual battle to meet our neighbors where they are, to offer a scripture of hope and comfort and strength. And as John Wesley said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.